Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat fans. It is Wednesday, March 29th, and I'd like to welcome you all to another episode of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart, and today I'm joined by my producer, Justin Brown, and my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. We have a jam-packed show for you today that is filled with plenty of Bobcat sports and even some national news. But first, over to J.P. for a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, and scenic views. Thanks, JP. Now let's get the show started with some Texas State baseball. So on Monday on the show, we talked about the Bobcats' most recent series where they traveled to Conway, South Carolina, to battle against the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. And in that series, the Bobcats, it was a very disappointing loss for the Bobcats. They lost the whole series 2-1. to one. And But, I mean, it wasn't even just, I mean, that they lost the series. It's just the fashion that they lost it in, that Bobcats were outscored 40-16 to 16 in that series. So, safe to say that the Bobcats' struggles were not limited to, like, one factor or one side of the ball. So, in you guys' opinion, what was the biggest contributor to the the overall dominance for Coastal Carolina. No, yeah, as you mentioned, it was kind of just the way this team lost. Um, getting to lose 19-0 to is not fun, and it's kind of a taste of your own medicine if you're uh, Texas State, you know, a team that was one of the highest-scoring teams in the country starting off this season. And, I mean, of course, you're not going to be able to keep up that momentum and pace for a whole full season. And this is just one of those examples of a game where, although you might not be able to score, how are you going to m- minimize these runs? And the Chanticleers were able to just put 19 on the Bobcats and really no slowing down. You thought that the next day would be a little better coming in 1-1, one one, getting to kind of tie the series and then drop the third one. But, um, yeah, I mean, just the Bobcats kind of getting a taste of their own medicine at this point, having to kind of figure out what are we going to do when we're not scoring, you know, at the highest rates. Can defense improve at all? Um, yeah, but that's what this team's looking like right now. I mean, you talk about this team not being able to score and put runs on the board, and a big reason because of that is their leading hitter, Jose Gonzalez, which we talk about all the time he's a 357 overall hitter but this weekend he only had one hit out of his eight out at bats and that is something you don't want to see in your best hitter on the team and when that happens you're not going to be able to get those runs on the board but this coastal carolina team i mean they can hit all day it seems like it's not easy to beat a team 19 to 0 as to what the chanticleers did Friday. I mean, you look at the scores overall Friday, 0 to 19 loss, 6 to 13 loss Saturday, but a 10-8 win on Sunday, able to, you know, learn from their mistakes and try and get a win. But, you know, it's kind of unexpected. If you before this series against Coastal Carolina, the Bobcats are on a five-game winning streak. So, you know, you have to be able to respond to adversity on any team in any sport. And I think they're going to have to do that against UTRGV. Yeah, I think a, a real hole in this team right now is not really taking advantage of those road games. I mean, it's kind of hard, you know, being in a place where you're not familiar with and obviously the home crowd, you know, here. But, uh, yeah, uh, a losing record away right now and something that this team's trying to improve on. I mean, getting to see, like, the last win uh, from Coastal Carolina when they won 10-8. Um, guys like Jose Gonzalez went 1-5. and Chase Mora went 1-5 and in at-bats. So they have to find ways to score and win when guys who aren't Chase Mora and Jose Gonzalez Gonzalez are the ones scoring and that was something they were able to do in that last game exactly and I mean they're gonna have to learn how to 
try and find something to you know to work when they're playing away because they're going to play their next game away. That's in Edinburgh. You know, that's you know against UTRGV in the Valley. And I mean, you know, this is going to be the last game before they get into Sunbelt play. If you look down the road this upcoming weekend, they have their first series of some. I mean, sorry, not Sunbelt conference play. They're playing against Arkansas State. They've already been in conference play, but it's going to be the first time they're facing the Red Wolves this season, which is always a good competition. Yeah, definitely, Justin. And you mentioned it and we don't want to the Bobcats don't want to look too far. So like they you mentioned, they have this next game against the um, UT Rio Grand Valley out in Edinburgh, Texas, so that's going to be a tough one for them to play because it's not this isn't a team that's just like just playing terrible. They have a winning record this year. They've had some tough opponents. So the Bobcats will definitely be needing to bounce back from that tough series, but luckily they were able to get a win in the last game against Coastal Carolina, so maybe they can use that momentum when they travel down to Edinburgh, Texas. I mean, what I would say though is if you're looking at this team, the UTRGV Vaqueros um, you know, in Edinburgh, this team, I mean, they have some good players. You look at Isaac Lopez, and he's currently their leading hitter. He's hitting better than Jose Gonzalez. He's hitting a 378 overall. He has 34 hits. That's four more hits than the Bobcats' leading hitter. He only has 55 RBIs compared to the 84 that Jose Gonzalez has, but this is a sophomore, a five foot ten sophomore, 185 pounds. He's an infielder. can play almost any position. This team has some talent. This UTRGV team even beat University of Houston. That's a big-name school, and so you know, this cannot be any regular battle for the Bobcats. And you got to look at the history between these two teams, too, because come on, you got to see what the Bobcats done to the Vaqueros. And the last time they matched up was March 1st of last year where the Bobcats lost. I mean, they won seven to three and they're on a two game winning streak right now against this team. And the last time they lost was 2018, April 10th. And that game went into 10 innings. And this, this, these two teams have done 10 innings before. So it could be a close game, JP. Yeah, and then within these next two weeks, we're going to have to play some pretty hard teams out there. Um, got to play A&M at their home stadium. Got to play a series with the Longhorns uh, come April 10th and April 11th. So got to use these games as kind of like not warm-ups, but, you know, kind of learning what, what more about this team, where you can figure out about this lineup, what you can figure about this pitching lineup as well. Because um, when those games come around, you know, those those teams are going to be seeing Texas State as a, a win, a team that they, they really should take advantage of. But, I mean, this Texas State team just uh, really needs to find a rhythm like they were able to last year and kind of put teams like that on notice um, in regards to what this team can do. Yeah, Justin, you mentioned a win streak against the Vaqueros, and we're we're here hoping that the Bobcats can increase that win streak tonight when they travel to Edinburgh, Texas, to play them at 6.30 p.m. But we're going to move on next door to the softball diamond as the Bobcats, they most recently hosted the conference opponent, the South, uh, South Alabama, in a weekend series. Uh, similar to the baseball team that the Bobcats lost two to one. Now, after losing the first uh, first game two to one and then bouncing back in a dominant fashion and winning the game six to two, I was sure that the Bobcats would be able to finish it wrong and then close out this home series against the conference opponent. But I mean, the exact that's the exact opposite of what happened uh, in the last game. The Bobcats were completely shut out and uh, the Jaguars. Also, they also struggled on the mound because the final score of the game was 7-0. So, guys, what are your thoughts on what happened to the Bobcats throughout that series? I mean, I worked these games for ESPN, and, you know, I got to see I, – I expected this to be a, you know, really good series for the Bobcats. Uh, you know, they came off of a 15-0 win that ended in five innings against the Roadrunners before playing the, the South Alabama Jaguars. But, yeah, you know, you we were expecting that game Sunday to be an easy, you know, performance for the Bobcats, able to, you know – 
you know, take care of business, but they lose zero to seven. And that's because they went through three different pitchers and they had m- the most errors of all season. They had over six errors in a game. I've never seen this before at the softball stadium. Um, you know, we saw some uncharacteristic plays from Jessica Mullins, who she subbed in after Tori McCann to hopefully get something going. And we saw, you know, three different pitchers in this game. We saw Tori McCann, Carson Pierce, and Jessica Mullins. And that's the three on this team that usually are in the bullpen. So, you know, the Bobcats were unable to stop them you know they had a player on the other team on the South Alabama team named Victoria Ortiz she had a whole basically her entire family travels with her it's her own little crowd 30 people or so and I mean they were loud and proud because Victoria Ortiz if you want to know anything Friday she ended the no hitter for Jessica Mullins it was a no hitter and she ended it in the I think it was the sixth inning and blew out the game with the home run 2-1 lead is what they had and then they got the win so you know this this Bobcat team they're playing against Baylor tonight, so it, it's gonna, they're going to need to learn, and they got a big game ahead of them. No, yeah, and this is a team that, I mean, two, two and a half weeks ago got to beat ranked teams like Alabama and Texas, and at, at the time, I'm pretty sure they're top 10 and currently top 10. So these are wins that we, you thought were really going to turn this season around um, where this direction was going, and I still think that the direction is headed in the right direction. But it, since those games have slipped to two— or, two and seven since then um and those these are against conference opponents too so this is a kind of lower level of competition and you would expect a team that could be one of the higher ranked teams in the country to you know be able to uh stick with it i mean obviously last year getting to finish i think 18 out of 20 of the like the winning the 18 of the last 20 games was impressive i think that's what something this team should kind of look to build again again on this year you know trying to find some momentum so that get teams like baylor and other teams are, uh, you know, easily matched and ready for those games. Yeah, man, y'all both kind of mentioned Baylor because, I mean, the term I used on Monday was consistently inconsistent just because throughout the beginning of the season, the Bobcats would lose a game, win the next two, lose a game, win the next two. That went on for, like, the the entire first month of the season. So we're hoping they can kind of find something that can get back to being more consistent because tonight like you guys mentioned they'll be hosting the number one 21 ranked Baylor Baylor Bears and I mean and this is not enough team that the Bobcats can afford to have any inconsistencies against this is a team that beat the number one 20 the number 21 ranked team at the time Maryland they completely shut out the UT Arlington team that they won that game in five innings while the Bobcats did secure a win against the same team but they needed extra innings to do it and the icing on the cake is that the Baylor team, they knocked off the number one team in the nation at the time, the Oklahoma Sooners. So the Bobcats definitely will have their hands full tonight as they host the Baylor Bears at 6 p.m. And if you can't go out there to support the Bobcats in person, you'll be, you'll be able to catch that game right here on KTSW 89.9. But we're going to take a moment for a quick break, guys. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the March Madness Tournament, the final stretch of the NBA season, as well as some of the NFL free agency moves. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio. I'm your host, Orlando Smart. And in the studio with me today, I have my producer, Justin Brown, and my co-host, J.P. Flanagan. Like I said before the break, we're going to get right into the March Madness Tournament. All right, guys. So we're down to the final four. UConn, Miami, Florida, Atlantic, and San Diego State. Those are the four teams that are left in the tournament. And right off the bat, we got to acknowledge that three of three of the four of these teams we've never really seen at this part of the No, actually, correct that. We've never seen at this part of the tournament. Three of these four teams have never made it to the Final Four, UConn being the only team that's made it this far. And, I mean, that's, that's a team we're used to seeing 
um, that they win championships year after year. But I mean, March Madness being March Madness, that's what the madness is all about. Teams upsetting other teams, teams we're not expecting to make it this far. And here we are with one team that we're used to seeing. So who do you guys think is going to be able to take it out and at least make it to the championship? Yeah, I mean, my answer is probably a little, um, I don't know, easy. <laughs> I, I just really think this UConn team being here the, and the coaching um, is really going to put them over the top. And I really got to look at UConn's schedule, and they have a lot of quality wins. Although their season didn't start off as hot, uh, they were able to knock off an Alabama team at least once this season. They were able to beat an Iowa State team, an Oklahoma State team, and these are Big 12 teams. And the Big 12 was supposed to be one of the better conferences going into the season, especially in the, in the tournament, having, like I think, tied the most teams. Unfortunately, now the Big 12 doesn't have any team. So we're going to see how quality these wins really are. But I mean, getting to beat the Alabama team early in the season, uh, a team that was supposed to be the number one overall seed in the whole tournament is pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, I, I also if I a sleep team I wouldn't sleep on is the Miami team. They have a previous coach, uh, Coach Larinaga, who actually took George Mason, an 11 seed to the final four back in 2006. Um, pretty impressive feat. And actually to get to the final four that year, they had to beat um, they had to beat UConn which was pretty impressive because I don't think anyone anticipated them to knock off the number one UConn at the time. So kind of weird. Coach Laranega is getting to play Miami or getting to play UConn, something he's familiar with, getting to get a beat a team like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm picking UConn, but really this could swing it either way. Well, you know, I like to look at the individual matchups first because you say you got UConn going all the way, but, you know, we got to have two teams in the final game, right? So I'm going to talk about the two teams that are going to make it. Now, UConn here, they beat Gonzaga, which it was literally one of the most powerful teams in all of NCAA, and they beat them by over 28 points and a final score of 82 to 54. You're doing that in the Elite Eight. Are you serious? This UConn team is quite powerful. It's not every day you beat a team by 28 points, especially in the most important game of their season. You know, this Gonzaga team, they've been doing this for years, but I'm glad to see them leave again because <laughs> I'm a UCLA fan. But um, let's talk about the matchups. Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. Neither of these teams have ever been here before. Um, I'm going to go for Florida Atlantic in this situation. I know San Diego State beat Alabama, but to them, that's probably better than the championship. Um, so no, I'm just kidding. We'll see what we'll see what they can do. But Florida Atlantic, I really like them and I want to see them go to the final game. Um, I like to see a ninth seed do that. And I think they've played against some, you know, harder competition, not necessarily harder. They played against Kansas State and somehow got that win there. Um, but Miami against UConn. Yeah, I'm going to say UConn's going to have to get there. I mean, I, I don't know. They've been here before, and they know how to get a huge 28-point win in the Elite Eight, which if you look at all the other games, they were decided by three points or less. Oh, oh the UT game, they got beat by seven. Sorry, JP. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would kind of like to see Miami continue, but they beat my U of H team, so I cannot support them. So yeah. Yeah, at this point, I think the bracket's kind of a little in balance right now so you got two teams that haven't played before or haven't made this far and then you got one team who hasn't and then one team who really has um so kind of an imbalance there i mean the florida atlantic games versus san diego state game i don't think anyone expected any of these teams to be here uh, this florida atlantic team is playing with a lot of energy a lot of pace getting to knock out teams like kansas state um and then that um San Diego State team is the first Mountain West team to win a, game, a tournament game in, in multiple years. So the, these teams have a lot to fight for. I think this Florida Atlantic team has what it takes to push it out. But um, these teams are really good rebounding teams, very physical teams, very fast-paced teams, which is really what, it, what as a coach, you're looking for. And whoever they end up playing is going to have a tough time, although it might look like they're underdogs going into the championship, regardless of what team it is. I think um, it'll be a good matchup to watch. 
My pick to go to the championship, I feel like Miami will make it just looking at their past, the games that they played in the past. Like you guys mentioned, they did beat Texas and your Miami team, or not my, their Miami, they beat your Houston team, Justin. And Houston was the team I figured would go on to win the championship just because they were such a great defensive team. They were they had a, I know they had the defensive player of the year and Jamal Shedd they had a lot they had a lot of first team defensive players so they were all throughout the year they were just playing amazing defense and then Miami was able to beat them by 14 points and then after that I thought Texas was going to win because and they, that was the next best looking team to me in my opinion Dylan DeSue was playing amazing they were just their Rodney Terry was he had that team all in line and so I thought Texas was going to be able to go on and win then Miami knocked them off and so I feel like Miami is just they beat the number four team number one team number two team and so now they're playing a number four seed again so I feel like they'll be able to handle their business and go into the championship. And as far as the other side, that Florida Atlantic team is really making waves right now. So I feel like it'll be Florida Atlantic versus Miami, but Miami will end up winning. And Florida championship. Oh my gosh, Florida fans. No, that'd be crazy. I wouldn't want to be in the state of Florida. Man. I don't think it's safe. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're going to be good no matter what. <laughs> if that's if that prediction comes true that one that those two teams make it, but we're going to then zoom out a little bit more from to go on to the NBA because currently right now it's things it's the final stretch of the season is here these last few games are where it really counts because now with the addition of the play-in it's anybody's race especially out in the west those last few teams are separated by a few games and every game counts I know I'm a Lakers fan so every time the Lakers win a game they move up to like seventh or eighth and then every time they lose a game they're out of the playoff contention so I mean it's it's shaking up real, real crazy right now. But as a Lakers fan, the biggest thing in the NBA, or in my opinion, I guess would say, is that LeBron is back. Although the Chicago Bulls did spoil his return, um, I feel like now that he's back, one, it was his first game back, so he wasn't as aggressive as I think he will be going forward. And then, but I feel like the Lakers, now that LeBron's back and those role players that they got at the trade deadline are making moves, they can, they can really make something happen because. I mean, even looking at that Bulls game, they they were just they could not stop DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine in that game. So I feel like defense is going to be a very big key factor in them moving forward. But with the addition of LeBron, I think they'll be able to make things shake. Yeah, I mean, this West is very fun to watch right now. Um, getting to see the four seeds only ahead of the 11 seed by three games. So, yeah. I mean, you could easily drop three games right now and still end up, like, in the 10 spot and then not immediately uh, you're not in the guaranteed spots anymore. It's going to be very interesting to watch, especially since some of these teams have a lot of talent. The Suns have recently acquired a lot of talent. The Clippers are, are still stocked. The Warriors are defending champs. Uh, and then the Lakers sitting at nine. Uh, I, I just saw that he talked. Uh, LeBron talked about going to the LeBron of foot doctors. That's why he didn't get season-ending surgery, and that's why he's back early. That was hilarious. Yeah, that yeah. was. He's kind of hyping himself up there. I mean, maybe he should have gone to the Jordan of foot doctors, but Ooh, uh, yeah, you know it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this West is going to be fun to watch. I'm really excited, especially with the playing tournament. I thought you know they might get rid of it a few years ago. I'm really glad they didn't because it gives teams who are better at the end of the season to really, you know, make a move. And I think if you're playing the one seed, really, you know, the one and the two seed, I want the the best possible chance of an upset. So if that's how we kind of weed out that, um, then that'd be the best scenario. And I really do see the Lakers team making it somehow, some way. I think LeBron really just can't let it happen again. And 80s kind of coming into formation. And, and they've made some trades that could definitely benefit this bench lineup and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a fun one to watch. 
I mean, you know, this is what I look at. You look at the standings of the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, and you notice that one through nine in the Eastern Conference has more wins than one through nine of the Western Conference. You know, is this league a Western Conference league? I mean, people always say the Western Conference is more fun to watch. Why are we so in love with the Western Conference? And they have less wins, you know? Uh, you know, I think it's because it's so competitive. We talk about how there's only a few wins between each of these teams. The Suns, the Clippers, Warriors, all tied for, tied for 40 wins and all tied for basically fourth. Um, and then you got, you know, the, the Lakers, Thunder, and Mavericks all tied with 37 wins, and they're all playing for a playing spot. Um, and I personally, I would love to see the Thunder back in the playoffs, uh, a young team led by SGA who's been balling out all season. And, um, you know, the Lakers, I'm sorry, but, uh, they, you know, I'm, I don't know what to say. You know, I really don't know what to say. Don't want to offend anyone, but... I don't know. You look at their last few games and they're playing against the Bulls again today at seven. And then they're going to lose against the Timberwolves and the Rockets on Sunday. So, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I love my Rockets. And speaking of Rockets, we're last place in the West. Don't worry about us being in the playoffs, but we're going to get Wimbenyama. You can know that because OKC's 10th now, so they're not getting them. Um, and the Spurs, yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, who do you all want to see perform the best in the playoffs? Who's your guy this year? Who do you think is really going to ball out? Who's going to have their playoff year just guessing right off the bat right now? I mean, I'm waiting for Nikola Jokic to make it past the first round and, and like, really show what he's made of because I think he's destined for a third MVP here if they don't just somehow, some way give it to Joel Embiid. I mean, getting an average of triple-double is pretty impressive, especially as a big man. Um, I, I'd really just like to see Nikola Jokic get to, like, a Western Conference final or something because, I mean, it means one thing to, you know, I mean, be leading the West and have the number one team and, you know, win MVP. But are you the really the best player if you can't guide your team to, you know, a successful overall season? Um, I think that's something he's, you know, thinking about. I think that's something that whole organization's thinking about and they're ready to make that move. Um, but I'll, I'm just, you know, being a fan of the sport, I think I'm kind of right. I'm going to ride with the Kings on this one. I kind of want to see what they can do. I mean, although a young team that doesn't feel like they could go far, um, I, I want to buy into like all this media stuff and kind of say like, I want to see how far they can go. So uh, I'm rooting for the Kings right now and the Nuggets just, you know, see what they can do. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it right now, the one person I'm excited to see ball out and he's going to go all out and the NBA isn't ready for it and they don't know how to control it, it's John Morant, okay? Yep. I know y'all... That was, that was gonna, my pick. Dude, John Morant, the NBA has been trying to find reasons to cancel this guy. It's like, let's make up a whole Instagram scandal about uh, you know all the whole thing that happened. Let's get him suspended. Let's find him. No, you're not stopping the modern-day Allen Iverson. He's going to break your ankles. He's going to be controversial and he's going to drop 32 points on your head and make it all the way to the finals. But guess what? Unlike Allen Iverson, he's going to win a finals. Look at this team right now seven game winning streak and they're doing it when he was gone they were still winning they had dylan brooks who over here is now nba's most hated man he's over here just trolling the warriors i mean i'm excited to see ja moran and you are going to be ready to see it everyone after this playoff is going to know his name and it's about time the nba talks about him as an mvp candidate this guy he's led in field goal percentage in the paint multiple times this season over big men isn't that crazy this guy can shoot it he can dish it he can dunk it. They were saying he couldn't shoot threes. Well, guess what? He got a three in his bag now. So this guy, John Morant, right now, you're hearing it now from Justin Brown. He's going to do extraordinary things. 
this postseason. I mean, you, you called out Daniel Jones before that happened, so I, I believe you. I think John Morant, you know, he can make a championship. <laughs> so, uh, But I hadn't even gotten to talk about the East yet, and I mean, we were talking so much about how heavily stacked the West is. I think it could be like a cakewalk for the East, honestly. Like, this Bucks team or Celtics team or 76ers team could, you know, easily take grasp of this and, you know, make the, a, one of the, a championship of their own. And I think that's something that they could take advantage of because, you know, the West is going to be fighting it out. It's teams that you think are going to win are going to get knocked out. And for the, for the East, it's like... How can they get prepared for a championship? And I think Joel Embiid's trying to make a championship. Uh, Jason Tatum's trying to, you know, avenge himself. And I think the coaching staff there, you know, wants to, you know, make a name for themselves. And then the Bucks. I mean, Giannis hasn't done anything since 2020. He's trying to make a name for himself again. You know, getting longest that second... win streak in the NBA they had at the time was like 21 win or 18 wins. Yeah, exactly. Trying, trying to, you know, make that their resume better. And I think if you're in the East right now, can you really afford to not, you know, make it to the championship? Because then, then you really make the East look bad. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, just to talk about these for a second there. All right, I gotta mention one thing, Justin. You you called John Morant the modern day Allen Iverson, and but you kind of mentioned that he would he would actually go on to win a championship, and he mentioned his team, Allen Iverson. Let's get the one thing straight here, guys. Allen Iverson led the Seventy Sixers to the first seed in the season before he led the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers to an NBA Finals before where he lost to Shaq and Kobe. Come on, yeah. we gotta get the we gotta give the guy a little bit of credit. He did all he could. If, yeah, and if, he won against he lost against the refs and. LA too. Oh man, I mean, he was by himself out there. I mean, even game one, he had like forty points. I mean, he he really. It, Allen Iverson was stepping that over man. Tyron Lue. Oh yeah. man, that's a that, that's a classic right there. Allen Iverson. I just want to give a shout out to him because it's sometimes it's when you're when you're all by yourself. Sometimes it, it's very hard to get it done and. That's why I do hope Job ja Morant can get it done because he, like you said, he isn't by himself. He has Dylan Brooks and uh, uh, not Justin Jefferson. He has uh, Jalen Jackson. That's his name. Uh, I knew it was JJ. And uh, but they have a great defensive team. But kind of offensively, he's like he's kind of their main focus to the offense. So he had it kind of is all on his shoulders offensively, and he can get it done. And I I believe that. So. I really hope he can. We'll see how that goes. And but obviously, obviously, I'm going for LeBron and the Lakers to make the play in, uh, and then to go on to the finals, of course. But that's not as realistic as the Grizzlies <laughs> doing that. So gotta. I mean, they might have to play the Grizzlies if if the cards are played right. They might have to play you know, the Grizzlies or the or the Nuggets, but. I mean, one one thing that gets overlooked is playoff experience. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Kings, and I know that it's kind of been this thing's been kind of floating around NBA Twitter and stuff like that. That the Kings are a team that people are like looking to play just because not that the. At, not that the team isn't good it's just their inexperience and uh, Draymond kind of mentioned wanting to play the Kings but that was just based on travel reasons he, he doesn't want he's tired he said he's sick of traveling all over the country <laughs> he wants to because he said if you look at it the Warriors have a chance to play the Kings the Lakers and the um, Clippers all, all uh, as they like playoff if things like match up correctly for them so they wouldn't even have to leave their state to like play anybody and that'd be like that'd be I feel like the rivalry them. everyone wants to see is you know grizzlies and warriors back again in the yeah, western oh definitely somehow and you know i think when you have steph curry on your team i don't think your seating matters at all you know you can definitely get up there um clay thompson doing amazing things as well but one thing i wanted to say before we get off the topic of nba you know looking at the eastern conference because we didn't really talk about them too much um i'm just gonna say right now heat and hawks you can just check them off your list i'm not getting anywhere um knicks that is going to be fun to watch. So glad to see the Knicks back at it. Um, Julius Randle, he's doing great. But Joel Embiid, 
Can we just say this right now? I, I'm just not a big Joel Embiid fan. I think the guy, they call him a, you know, superstar. They call him, you know, a huge, you know, paint beast. He's a, no, he has no bag. You're just fouling him. You know, you can't give a guy an MVP candidate when he has shooting 32 free throws a game. I mean, he just, I don't know. You know, he hey. didn't pick up a basketball till he was like 19 or something. Hey, Justin, I got a question for you as yeah, a Rockets I got, fan. I got years. How, how did you feel about James Harden's career as a, as a Houston Rocket? Oh, this is so random, but, you know, <laughs> I'm so ready for it. You know, I don't think James Harden ever even wanted to come to Houston in reality. Um, he, you know, missed a phone call from his GM in OKC, and the next, you know, he was traded overnight. The dude <laughs> did amazing things, but unfortunately never gave us any championship skill. I mean, we almost got there. We almost beat the Warriors. I mean, we almost beat the Warriors, and we would have played an injured Cavs team, and we would have completely destroyed them. But James Harden had the worst three-point percentage of all time in a game. I think he shot, like, 28 bricks and made two of them. But, you know, what are my thoughts on James Harden as an overall player for the Rockets? He's going to be loved forever, and he's one of the he's going to Houston staple until the day he dies. And, yeah. Yeah, that that just, those were some fun series, getting to watch Kawhi just absolutely, you know, take over. James Harden-led Rockets team, you know, for a few years. So it was very fun to watch. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Spurs I, fan I, over here, bro. No, I, I'm still missing him. It's Kawhi. I, I watched asked, him drop 62 points on the Spurs. But that's true. That was when Kawhi that true. wasn't on the team. That's true. Yeah, it's fitting that they play together because I asked just because, you know, that he was kind of known for the foul baiting and now Joel is known for the foul they get a lot of free throws you know what's very interesting is if you even look at the the owner of that team Daryl Morey same owner that James Harden had on the Rockets yeah. and it's so funny that he went over there and so is PJ Tucker over there as well yeah. and that's a former Rocket as well um but yeah but no this Houston team they're gonna win B next year all right <laughs> that's gonna be that's we're running out of time here but before we wrap things up today we're gonna hear from Justin for a weather uh, update on the weather so, guys, you know, if you're looking outside right now, it's a bit breezy and it's a bit chilly and the clouds are above the sky. Well, don't expect anything else differently throughout the day. Highs of 69 only. It's going to be a little windy and cloudy for the rest of the day. Bring a jacket just in case because you know how Texas is and you don't want to get wet. But, yeah, that's the weather. Thank you, Justin. All right, everybody, that is all the time we have for today's episode. Be sure to keep up with everything San Marcos and Texas State related by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at KTSW Sports. For Justin Brown and J.P. Flanagan, I'm Orlando Smart. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in again same time on Friday and have a wonderful rest of your day. For now, let's get you back to the other side of radio.